Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I'm being joined by... Rachel Weekly. I use they, them pronouns. So, Rachel, today we're going to talk about birds of prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that might be a weird choice for a lot of people, mostly because there is no open uh, out trans representation in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that said, we're going to get into why we're talking about it in a little bit. Before we do, are you familiar with the Birds of Prey, the characters of Black Canary? Uh, I believe it's Renee Montoya is her name, right? It was Renee Montoya? It's been a minute. I'll double yeah. check it. Yeah, Renee Montoya and um, now I'm forgetting the last one who's amazing. Uh, Huntress, the one that I'm in love yeah. with. Huntress. Yeah, 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 yeah. How did you forget that yeah. one? I don't know. <laughs> She's a crossbow killer. Um, obviously... Obviously, we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of spoilers in this. Um, so if you haven't seen it and you're okay with spoilers, feel free to keep listening. If you're the type of person that absolutely wants nothing spoiled, go see the movie if you haven't already yet. Oh, please. Uh, or, I, I don't know, I guess, wait because of quarantine. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Don't go out and see it. See it the legal, the most legal way that you can, which hopefully they release it because everything is digital now. So hopefully they release it at some yeah. point sooner rather than later so that you have a chance to go see it. Um, but support this movie. The I, I feel like our the we're giving away the goat a little bit as to whether we enjoyed the movie or not. But I, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real question, though, Rachel, is were you familiar with the Birds of Prey? and these characters prior to the film? Um, So I knew, I've done a lot more of like the Marvel, MCU, blah, blah, blah. But I knew a lot of the DC characters from the animated series, like Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and Teen Titans and like the the original uh, Batman animated series. Um, So I knew a lot of these characters, but not in the context of Birds of Prey. Hmm. Yeah, very cool. My, myself, uh, Black Canary, I learned about a lot from the Injustice video games, mm-hmm. uh, from the CW show uh, uh, Arrow, which I, it's, honestly, it's not my favorite CW DC show, but at the same time, boy, it started it all, and uh, I do love it. Which um, one is your favorite? My favorite is honestly The Flash. The Flash or Supergirl. I've, um, I've heard those are the two. Warren really likes them. I forget to watch them, but <laughs> but I, I've heard really good things. Yeah, no, The Flash, it's tough because if you're not the person that, like, because Arrow has its weird, funky shit, too. But, like, if you're not a fan of the, like, weird, and The Flash <laughs> has, like, weird... Uh, you, you might not like The Flash. Uh, I love it. <laughs> and honestly, uh, Yobard Thawne has become th- one of the greatest villains of any superhero-based media I've seen. Oh, cool. uh, and also, his name is Yobard Thawne, which it's is a, a good stupid name. name. And boy, do I love it. <laughs> it really is a good name. Like, uh, I... So, we... No, please. Um, so, one of the things that, like, what a, just to start off, one of the things I loved about Birds of Prey yeah. that has put me off of a lot of DC stuff is mm. that I don't love when shows have people that are all attractive in the same sort of way. Yeah. You know, where everyone's like a very polished millennial or polished mm-hmm. older person or polished like teenager. Mm. Um. Here's a you know, buff guy with short hair named Chris. Yeah, <laughs> again. Yep. You know, here are all these rail thin model tall women. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, all these Instagram models doing a show. It's like it doesn't, 
there's something about it that always takes me out of it a little bit. Mm. And one of the things I loved about Birds of Prey that we'll get more into is mm. that um, everyone was such such a unique character. Like they very much came from their own styles, their own paths. They weren't having to fit in a world together because they just were a world together. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Can you sum up the story of the movie? Since we're talking about a little bit and like a lot of the, the ideas of what we love about it. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you sum up the movie? Go, Rachel, go. <laughs> Yay. Um, so how I would sum it up is um, the movie starts where uh, Harley Quinn and Joker have just broken up and she's narrating delightfully sort of like how they got together, how their relationship was going sort of all the benefits she got from being in a relationship with him. And now she's in the process of grieving that relationship and sort of the, the steps she's taking, like when she won't admit to it, when she's just sad about it. And when she starts to like do something and like work through it. Um, and in that process, it sort of opens up this, uh, this space for a new uh, supervillain to start to take hold of the city. Mm. And when that happens, it starts to bring all these other characters, uh, a cop that's down on their luck, a secret character that is revealed later in the, in the story. <laughs> um, and uh, even like the, the evil guy's, uh, driver come into play to handle all these things. It's actually beautiful how like all these people get woven into the same plot line. Yeah, there's there's this sense. So I'm also being very guarded about the specific things that I'm talking about with just to throw this out mm. there uh, with the movie, because I did an interview with uh, my friend Scott for his show Writer's Bagel Basket about Birds of Prey and just literally like gushing for an hour and a half about like, oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> so I'm finding like different things that I, I made sure I didn't necessarily talk about with Scott. Uh, and that is one of the things that we didn't get to go into is like how well they interconnected the story of like okay well we need this person to become a driver so we gotta like we also need someone to just be hurt so why don't we have black masks original driver get hurt because of harley quinn so he needs a new driver because the guy can't drive anymore yeah so, yeah oh, so no, like the, the... he certainly cannot <laughs> i mean i i am confident that we could find a way that he could possibly drive while his legs are healing. At the same time, it will take a lot more time than a movie can devote to showing that. And it would be Absolutely. a movie in and of itself. The story of a man learning to drive without his legs. But... I, you know, I, I love movies and shows that are all about the, like, quote-unquote side characters. Mm. Which is partially why I was so excited about this movie. Because these are not characters that like dc usually focuses on yeah. they're not your superman they're not your batman they're not wonder woman yeah and even even harley who is a fan favorite is someone that people are looking at and interested in and uh you, you like obviously like there's a harley boom right now and marco mm. robbie was so passionate about doing this movie but harley isn't like what people harley has only recently become like an a-lister yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, um, and she has, like, clawed her way there. Yeah. And I think and... it has a lot to do with, like, uh, Deadpool suddenly also getting so much, so much fame and so much talking about it. Because that yeah. really paved the way for people to be like, oh, well, DC has Harley Quinn. Let's see that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I think especially with with harley like and especially like you're saying with the deadpool thing like deadpool is a style all his own and we know Absolutely. that but at the same time like at the same time there is that kind of how do we have fun as a superhero movie and the deadpool movies really showed how to have fun with these like gritty dark superhero stuff mm -hmm. and yeah so i'm i'm all for it i'm here for it more please absolutely yeah 
So while we're there, because, you know, we've started talking about, like, I, I feel like we will just continue to keep going into, oh, my God, why do we love this movie? <laughs> but But we should also talk specifically about why we're covering it. Because, again, there are no... And there's an extent that there there are no explicitly stated trans non-binary characters in the final product. So let me ask you this first. Does the absence of open and out TGNC characters immediately mean a piece is transphobic? And That's, these are just our opinions, but yeah, yeah I want to throw that out. It's a tricky yeah. one because they had so many places where they could have used a trans or gender non-conforming person so to not in some ways is like well that seems silly you could have just you could have just brought people in and had people there but it also un unfortunately if this movie already feels like such a big leap for hollywood that it, it doesn't particularly bother me. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel the same way. Like, yes, there's definitely a place. Yes, there's definitely, like, a lot of even just side characters coming in and mm -hmm. having, like, out trans representation. But at the same time, like, you're absolutely right. I, I think... I think that there it took so much just to get this made that, like, okay, sure... And not only that, just not just because it took so much to get this made, because that sounds like we're by we, I say me, uh, that like I'm, I'm making the case that like, oh, you know, because it was hard to get it made. Oh, it would be even harder to put trans and not many people in. Yeah. No, that's and it obviously not what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's obviously not what I'm saying. But at the mm -hmm. same time, because this is such a different movie than what we're used to from a lot of things and pushing a lot of boundaries I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's for now. <laughs> yeah. It has a focus and it needed to do that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if sometimes I feel like with a piece of art if you're tackling too many topics at the same time it can get muddled. You know. So I yeah. again, I don't mind it. They could have definitely had it. And yeah. that would have been it even that would be the cherry on top that'd just be incredible but yeah and and just to state it like you can have characters that are trans and non-binary and that doesn't need to be their focal point and maybe a character will come out later and we'll find out oh great like i, I don't know like someone is and we're like great uh but it's also got a lot of bi visibility uh in that mm -hmm. harley quinn herself is bi and there are a number of like queer folks and queer coded folks so it's like okay there's a lot in there yeah. But let me ask you this follow-up question then. Would that mean, so there's no trans non-binary character, trans non-binary representation in the film, does that mean that it's not transphobic? Yeah, because that's... I mean, I guess, no, it doesn't mean that. Like, when you're only displaying that there are two options of gender then on some levels it is mm. you know if you're not ex especially currently if you're not explicitly stating room that there's not i'm sorry if you're not explicitly stating that there is room for um other genders in this world and the only yeah. way you do that is by putting someone who is explicitly not so. Um, otherwise, we just have to assume that everyone falls into the same categories as the characters we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, then you are in some ways erasing that fact from the world that you've created. Yeah, and I think I think that's the the main problem. But at the same time, again, I feel like we're we're both pretty solidly well this movie still kicks ass and it's amazing and it's got some great stuff but at the same time just because and i think that like the reason that i, I propose that question is because there are a lot of people that will say well 
either we don't want to try and i'm not saying that this is what the producers of this movie have said but there are many people in past who have said like well we don't want to include because if we do and we get it wrong or oh if we uh put it in and it's not substantial and it's like yeah no i i hear that but at the same time uh the lack of inclusion can still be transphobic because you are removing that um i don't think that this is actively doing that at the same time again things could surprise us later but you know for right now mm, yeah from what we understand and what we know about the movie right now yeah it is still in some ways erasing that yes yeah but you know like i say i'm still very solidly in favor of this movie uh so in this case then how do we analyze this piece from a trans and non-binary perspective from a media analysis perspective uh yeah like how how do we judge this movie one of the things that i picked up on early while we were watching it and Mm -hmm really stuck with me is um gender performance Mm. in this like how how people are feminine or how people are masculine in this movie is very different from 90 percent of movies and especially superhero movies Mm. like there is there is just so much room for variance on how people perform their gender in this that like that is something that is so important to have as a conversation between people viewing this media and the media itself yeah no i i completely agree uh i think that's the because especially in times where trans and non-binary characters didn't it's not that they didn't exist in media it's that they weren't either explicitly stated or uh when they were it was a joke and it was a a whole thing that was how a lot of us figured things out was how are these binary cis representations playing with gender itself Mm -hmm. and i think that's the best way to sort of look at a movie like this or any other movie that again doesn't have any explicit trans non-binary representation uh to say like okay how can we look at it from that lens Mm. is how are they treating these binary how are they treating the binary representation yep so talk to me a little bit about uh talk to me a little bit about that what are what are some of the ways that you picked up on in the movie that were just like oh they're they're playing with uh gender performance in a new or different or interesting way um so the one that like has been sort of all in all over the internet that I feel like we have to talk about and then we'll talk about some of the ones that hasn't necessarily been is mm. the um the gaze of the camera uh especially mm. on Harley Quinn mm-hmm. and the differences between how she is filmed and presented in this movie versus how she was filmed and presented in Suicide Squad Mm-hmm. Like in Suicide Squad, um, was that Zack Snyder who directed that? I don't think it was Zack Snyder, but it was part of the the whole Snyder initiative within yeah. DC. So they were pulling from a lot of that, even if it wasn't him specifically. I'll have to look that up. Um, David Ayer, Ayer, A Y E R. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Suicide Squad's directed by a man. Harley Quinn is meant to be a sex icon in that Mm -hmm. um, specifically for straight cis men. And it's clear. She, she has a dog collar on her shirt is torn. So like the bottom of her bra is peeking out and she's got completely impractical shorts and not even like fun, completely impractical. They're (laughs) They just look uncomfortable. Like, I just worry for her that entire movie because she is fighting evil with the biggest wedgie. <laughs> they, um, so I went and saw it at Alamo Draft House, and I, I love Alamo. And this is a story I shared on Writer's, Writer's Bagel Basket, so I'll just like quickly. But, um, they had in the beginning this whole thing about like Harley Shorts from Suicide Squad and being like, look, they're panties. It's fine if you just want to put her in panties, but don't put a belt on it. Just like, just tell us this is what you're doing. 
Superman fought crime in underwear. Why can't Harley Quinn? Yeah. Superman didn't need a belt to show mm-hmm. us that. No, he's not wearing underpants. He's wearing <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the uh, strongman tights. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's yes. definitely what they are. Put the underwear on the outside. That makes you stronger. Thank you, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> just it, all your legs just need more containing. So you have to put it on the outside. <laughs> That's the thing. Superman didn't have the blue tights underneath before, and people were just like, ooh, you need to shave those, or you need to cover them, buddy. Sorry. Mm. No thank you. No thank you. Oh, I want this movie. <laughs> Superman develops his look. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Um, so, so they get... Uh, so we get all that in Suicide Squad, where it's just yeah. this, like completely impractical you know she has pigtails on that are all the way down past her shoulders which if you've had long hair they just get caught in everything and in Mm. your eyes and in your mouth um (laughs) and it's it's really it's really a pain i don't know how they do that which is actually like i'm gonna underline that for later because it's Mm -hmm. it's a moment that i really want to come back to so I think they, I know the exact moment because yeah. Yeah. Um, well, even even if you look at like MMA fighters, or even if you look at um, pro wrestlers who are doing their thing and wearing like extensions upon extensions upon extensions, they many of them use like uh, some form of uh, braiding or something to just get it out of their face. Yeah. No you, one's going around. Yeah. <laughs> you need to like I mm-hmm. when I started sparring when I was doing karate. Um, I would try to do like a low ponytail or something while I still had long hair. And it just like, you have this, this like tail swishing behind you. You can't focus on what's happening. You got to like, ah, get it out of your way. Who's tapping on my shoulder. Who's tapping on my shoulder. Oh no, it's just mm-hmm. my ponytail. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> cool. 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 <laughs> um, so then we get to a uh, birds of prey, Harley Quinn mm-hmm. and like the hair gets shorter the outfits get ridiculous, but they become practical. All of a sudden, she's wearing overalls for the big fight scene. And even though her clothes are like an incredible <laughs> plastic jacket and these like <laughs> confetti sleeves she has on and these ridiculous shoes, it's all comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I want even- that jacket so badly. It's so, I want those overalls (laughs) so much. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and just that changeover in how she's viewed and she's shot not looking pretty and she's not having to flirt with literally everyone who comes on the screen. Yeah. You know, she, she gets upset and she gets like, ugly sad which is just like spurting cheese whiz in her mouth yes yes <sighs> and like awfully drunk and whatnot it's mm-hmm. it's all of a sudden like ways you don't get to see female protagonists or even like major female characters or when you do it's like this I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, like even then, like even the sadness is like, oh, you're pretty when you cry type of like BS. You have like the single mm-hmm. tear and it comes yep. like when your man finally comes to hold you and it's because you can't produce children or something. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and it, that's it. it. That's the only time you can be sad. <laughs> and the rest of the time you have to be just a murder machine. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and another way uh, this comes up even more is the fighting. Yes. Like the combat is, and I'm sure we'll get a lot into this, but the combat is non-sexualized. Yeah. So many of like female fighters and other superhero movies. I, I don't know how many times you can get a headlock with your thighs into a movie. Mm hmm. But which, DC and Marvel are going to find out. Which I will say, as an avid fan of pro wrestling, I remember the first time they showed what Black Widow could do, I think, in Iron Man 2. 
was it? Um, I, and maybe. she's pulling like head scissor takedowns and like things that I'm looking at and I'm like, oh my God, as a wrestling fan, I love seeing this. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're focusing on the things. How can I put my vagina as close to your face as possible? Yes. Um, and like, that's fine and, if one character fights like that. Mm-hmm. But when it's literally every female presenting character fights like that, then all of a sudden none of this makes sense. Yeah. And even even in Birds of Prey, there was moments like specifically, I remember clocking it during the uh, water fight. And we'll have to talk about that for a moment, too. But like the the fight with the sprinklers that were on, she's pulling out Lucha Libre. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, she's not doing like the head scissors. She's doing like a really kick ass like arm drag takedown and all sorts of other things that are just like core to Lucha Libre. So that if she's shown in the past that she can do that, she can do these other things, too. Yep. And and they they make her fighting ugly in this one. Yeah. Like it's it's metal bats and using her surroundings and it's acrobatic but it's never in a please look at her thighs 90% of the time. Yeah. It's, you you know, I'm going to smash your head into these bars or I'm going <laughs> to shoot <laughs> cocaine all over you. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did love the whole like, well, they're shooting the cocaine. It's going into the air. I guess <laughs> I have no choice. But <laughs> you know, I got to breathe. Problem solving. Yep. Problem solving. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, and even even the most like ridiculous things in the movie, like she's got all sorts of like color that she's shooting out because that's part of her brand. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like yeah, like she's shooting the the like the colored bean bags because it's like <laughs> yeah, it creates a cool visual narrative. But at the same time, it's also like in character. Yes, they pay ah. very close attention to the characters of all of the birds of prey, and. And their backgrounds and how they would fight and mm-hmm. what keeps in their own particular worlds for them. And Harley yeah. was very much kept to like the fights were funny and like a little gross and a little ridiculous, but yeah. they were still fights. Yeah. So before we get into the fights, because I Mm. definitely want to talk about the fights um, and I definitely will want to get to an ad break shortly, but not just yet. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Victor Zaz and Black Mask. Because (laughs) (laughs) what I really enjoyed and like there were. Oh, Ewan McGregor is just like and this is why I was kind of like hinting about Yobar and Thawne. He was my favorite villain in a in a like superhero piece of media Mm -hmm. up until ewan mcgregor's black mask holy crap it's so good what i Um... really appreciate about it though and this is like they were like the the producers were very open about it that they are going to be coded queer i believe that was the actual i i'd have to look into it again but i believe that was the actual language that was being used that they're not necessarily going to state it. They're not necessarily going to have like him and Victor's ass kiss, but yeah. that the two of them are in a relationship. Yeah. That and, was pretty clear to me from the movie. Yeah. Like it, it tracked, but because they weren't the only queer representation, it worked because this is what happens in a lot of movies is like, Oh, well we have to have queer people. Let's make them evil. It's like, <laughs> let's make them evil. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and one thing I did appreciate about how they queer coded them. Yeah. Is that was never that was never part of the evilness. Yeah. It was never like, oh, you want to know how they're evil? Look, they like each other. You know? Yeah. Like the the evilness had much more with how they how they treated women and how they hurt people actually. Yeah. And they like, because I mean, Black Mask is absolutely in this. Ewan McGregor, absolutely a misogynist. Absolutely Mm -hmm. like, oh, but at the same time, yeah, they're just dangerous folks. They're going to rip off your fucking face. Yep. (laughs) Um, And so for for me, the other thing that I really enjoyed, and this is a thing like I know I shared a couple of articles with you. Many of them were before Birds of Prey was released, and a lot of these things were announced. There were a lot of people that, like, once they announced that, 
Ewan McGregor's Black Mask was going to be queer, uh, they immediately, like, there were a lot of, like, bullshit Twitter stuff, like, oh, I want to see him mincing around on the screen or something. And it's my it's my impression I'm... of Twitter, <laughs> homophobic Twitter. Uh, <laughs> homophobic Twitter is, like, Schwarzenegger being run in reverse in slow motion. I will terminate. I'll jingle all the way away from this movie. Uh, so, but like, I really appreciate it because like, it was very, his mannerisms are just very subtle. He didn't necessarily, and again, like there's no such thing as a gay mannerism, but at the same time, there's a lot of like coded mannerisms that we see because of media. Mm. And you could tell and you could see, and you could see that he made it so that like, there were some small ones in there, but like, it wasn't about that. It wasn't making it apparent. It wasn't like forcing a like narrative of queer so bad. It was, yeah, there are little bits in here and it's just, he's an eccentric dude. Um, I will also point out that mm -hmm. um, unless you are part of the queer community, I don't know if you pick up on it. Yeah. Because, like, I recognize them, but be I spend so much of my time around queer folks that I'm like, oh, this is cued into this and this and this. But I don't know if a lot of people who aren't in those circles would recognize it. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's what I really like. Ah, oh, man, I really oh, I love this movie. Okay. So we've. <laughs> We've talked a little bit, and even then, like we've only scratched the surface on a lot of the the, the portrayals that we've seen of uh, binary men and binary women in this film and how they play with the gender. But we'll talk a lot more about it as we talk about the action, because I think that's what really sold this movie on me. The comedy was amazing, but the, the action of it was, ah! But we're going to talk about that after we take an ad break. Ah, uh, yes. And we're back. Ah, uh, yeah. Depending on uh, what I've put here, you've probably just listened to that same anchor ad that I do that uh, I, I need to update uh, just because. I like your anchor ad. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I think you're the only one. <laughs> I think everyone who actually listens to my podcast are just so sick of it. <laughs> you just do the, the skip forward 30 seconds. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Oh, like, have you heard about Anchor? Oh, it's amazing. Please come on out and try Anchor. It's, it'll be the anchor of your day. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to riff an ad for Anchor, especially since they're paying us a little bit. So let's talk about the action of the film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we, we started talking a little bit about this. Each one of, each one of them has a different fight style. Oh, it's so good. It's it's so, it's so good. Like, can we like let's get into it a little bit? Mm -hmm. Um, so let's just pick each one. Uh, so Harley, we started talking a little bit about her style, which is uh, acrobatic in some way. There's a little bit of lucha libre mixed in. It's very uh, cartoon. Mm -hmm. You know, like frying pans to the face and using your surroundings in ridiculous ways to get people there. Yeah, like honestly, found object fighting is some of my favorite fighting, both to participate in as well as in like as well as just watch. So the way that she used her environment and the way that she brought things into the environment, ah, loved it. So it, let's, yeah, I it just and Margot Robbie does so much of her own stunt work and roller skating work, which comes yes. into play later. It's it's just so impressive to see a film show this off. Mm -hmm. Like I was I was just stunned that we got that whole fight in the jail when she's she's breaking the younger character out. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Cassandra Kane. Yep. Yeah, Cassandra Kane. Thank you. Um, yep. mm -hmm. and, and it's in the rain, and it's in the police impound is that what they where they keep the stuff <laughs> yeah it's uh it's the evidence locker yeah yeah, the, yeah 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 um <laughs> you know the police impound <laughs> sure those are the, the words yeah we know we, we've we googled 
<laughs> um, but yeah, and like they use a fair, they use a lot of CGI with like some of the more ridiculously impractical things. But they, because of how Harley Quinn sets up the world in the beginning, like there's a whole little animated backstory for her. And mm -hmm. they're able to then work the CGI that's a little more ridiculous and a little more out there into the fights in this beautiful way. Like there's this bat sequence where she needs to hit a guy like six feet away. So she bounces a metal bat off the floor to hit him and it hits back on the ceiling and back into her hand. And it's just so absurd, but it's so good. <laughs> uh, uh, so let's, let's talk for a minute about Black Canary. <sighs> she has yeah. this beautiful fight where this, this guy is obviously trying to, uh, get with Harley Quinn when she is not able to give consent. And, and this is, and even then we're not sure if he's specifically trying to get with her or if he is just trying to kidnap her for some yeah. reason. We don't know the specifics. We know that people are looking for her, but to black Canary, this is just some guy who's taking advantage of a drunk woman dressed like a clown. And, <laughs> I, regardless of how she was dressed, he was trying to take advantage of her in some way. Yeah. And so Black Canary snapped into action, took a minute, thought about it, then snapped into action. And oh, that fight. <laughs> it's gnarly. It is. Yeah. Uh, because if you know the character of Black Canary, and I was wondering when this was going to come in at the beginning of the movie. Mm. Um, she has these vocal powers. And they're only sort of hinted at in the beginning of the film. And it was interesting to see this fight where she didn't use them at all. And she just basically used this very street brawler style, again, using the van to, like, destroy these people. Yeah. Ah. I love, I love a good fan fight. Uh, but like in her style, it's not completely capoeira, but it's like in that sort of wheelhouse of a sort of like constant movement, almost dance fighting. It's style. very rhythmic. It's very grounded. She mm -hmm. likes to come from a low angle. And when she hits, it's hard. Like the, the strikes aren't like boom, 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 but they're like, boom, switch, 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 boom, boom. It's, the 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 difference in the rhythm between her and Harley is incredible. She's mm -hmm. she's like the bass to Harley Quinn's melody. Yeah, and then uh, and then we move into Huntress, who is <laughs> it's just my favorite in the whole movie. Oh my god, I want more Huntress. Ah, just give me all the Huntress. Um, <laughs> she she and this is uh, the the way I've been describing the Huntress to people is she's literally the answer to all of the sad boy DC characters that just need a hug. Mm -hmm. And like, literally she comes out and she's doing the thing. Like in any other movie, in any other property, she would be made fun of mercilessly. Like I'm Huntress. It's like, that's a stupid name. Like, <laughs> like no, it's not. It's cool. No. Uh, <laughs> like, but like everyone immediately, she says it, and they kind of take a moment. And they're like, "That's so badass." Yeah. She's like, oh, uh, <laughs> she's got the emo boy thing going on, <laughs> and like, how much they're like, "Oh, you're cool." Like, we're probably <laughs> still gonna call you the crossbow killer, but that's so cool. <laughs> And she's just like, she's constantly put in this state of like, I need to say this to be awesome and edgy. And people are like, wow. And she's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah, the, okay. the support these characters have for each other. <laughs> oh, I love. And so 
but her her style, because you know, you you learn in the movie, and again, like we've said, the spoiler thing, but you learn in the movie that she uh, came from a background of her family being assassinated before her eyes, and so she was saved by someone, and that someone uh, and his family taught her the ways of being an assassin, and so she's very like quick in to Sicily. the point. In Sicily. <laughs> so she's quick to the point. MMA, like boom, 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 just get the job done. Bam. Yeah. All right. She's she's very strikey. She's vaguely mm-hmm. acrobatic. Mm-hmm. Um very much like the appear out of the darkness, say my cool line, boom, 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 done. <laughs> Do you know who I am? The crossbow killer. No, that's not. Me. No. Uh. <laughs> so, so like you, you've got these melding of styles, and then you also throw in both Cassandra Kane and Renee Montoya, mm-hmm. um, and because Renee Montoya is is not necessarily like a a over the top like these three the three that we've detailed are very like cinematic fighting styles. These are things yeah. that you can create a whole like Renee Montoya is very much get people safe, save people, use firearms when needed. Um, like, cause her whole thing is very much like she's a cop. She's very practical, very practical. So she's going to do what she needs to do, get it done and like try and minimize as much damage as possible. Um, so her whole role in this final fight that is just amazing. And I love uh, is essentially trying to find Cassandra, keep Cassandra safe, uh, which they're all trying to do. And they're all doing it very adorable and amazing and ah, such good ways. But her main thing is like, get the job done now, find Cassandra, keep her safe. Yep. And ah, I love it. <laughs> um, so I, I guess really, like, she's a really beautiful character. Yeah, because I shaved my balls for this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this is something we can talk about from a trans angle. Mm. I loved that shirt and on her. Yeah, and it is. It is controversial because it is a thing where it's like, okay, the joke is we are assuming that this actor, uh, Rosie Perez, and this character do not have balls. Yeah. And, but it also plays up a lot of the, uh, you know, like balls being a, uh, a, a, a symbol for, yeah. yeah, euphemism for having chutzpah, for having some sort of like drive, courage and courage, heroism. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, a lot of the subversion of that I enjoyed at the same time. Yeah, there is a certain extent that because the joke and we're laughing and admittedly I was laughing is that this character, quote unquote, clearly does not have balls. Well, it, it, yeah. it all, yes, I it sits in that it is transphobic because that is the joke. But it also spoke to me that it, it she has to end up wearing this shirt because the clothing she brought ends up getting messy while she's on the job. And then when she comes back to her place of work and needs to change clothes, the only thing they have to offer her is things that can't suit her. Mm. Like the implication yes. is that this is the only thing they have that she can wear. And I think I think that's probably why I'm a lot more okay with this type of joke in this type of context is because it was literally forced on her. Mm-hmm. And it's still, again, like it still lives in that place where without that, that would be... But even then, it's also a high-status character, someone who is a police officer uh, having to wear a very low-status shirt mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like in some way self-deprecating, but also just mortifying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's that is funny. Like that that type of humor is very funny. Because I also think it would be funny if it was like a very, very like prim, well dressed cis man who mm. suddenly had to wear that as well. I agree. And it's yes, it it still absolutely lives in the like, well that's not the case, and that's not actually completely the joke that's being made. But I, I don't think that was the focus of the humor. 
entirely. No, I, I agree. Yeah. So I think I think we walked our way into, oh, this is the thing. This is like the most clear example in this movie of them playing with some sort of biological mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's not necessarily just about that. And that's why it works on many levels. Mm-hmm. So I still think that there is a case where like, yeah, okay, it's bullshit to... And I think that we're, we're in agreement on this. It's bullshit to assume genitalia. It's bullshit to assume all this stuff about people uh, based on that. And we need to work towards not making jokes about that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like, yeah, that wasn't only what it was about. So it worked. Yeah. And they're, they definitely could have... Uh, they could have found other things that might have fit the same type of humor without the tinge of transphobia that's in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so, and this is just sort of like a thought project that I had, like I I've been thinking about this for a little while, this, this final fight and it's, it's so cinematic and it's so well orchestrated. Uh, there's another part to it that we hinted at that we want to talk about in a sec, but just to throw it out there, I wonder because so many pieces, especially in this world, in like a comic book world or in an action world, are built around this idea of just write a man but make her a woman. And I feel like particularly in this case, like in this movie, no, because so many of the people, the the main writer was a woman, the director was a woman, the producers like Margot Robbie is a woman it didn't feel like it was just copy and paste. Okay. It's a man, but now she's a woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I just wanted to know like your opinion on that and like how this might have changed from a a fight angle or from some other angle. If this was sort of like, all right, if we were creating this from a male gaze, male perspective, like how, what are some things that we would have seen? I wonder. Um, that's a really interesting question. So, One that I threw at you last minute. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. I'm happy to think aloud. Uh, one of the things I really noticed about the last fight is they they give everyone their due. Mm. Everyone gets, like, here, this section of the fun house suits your style of fighting. And the way they based the styles of fighting are very much based in them being cis women. Mm. Like, different fighters fight very differently based on body types. And it do- and it has a lot to do with, like, where your center of gravity is, where your muscle mass is. And if you are a cis man, a lot of your body mass and a lot of your focus tends to be on your upper body because your center of gravity is a little higher. Um, So with um, masculine fights or fights that are supposed to be for men and then they just copy and paste women on it, there's a lot more like punches thrown and holding people with arms and, and tends to be a lot more space in some ways um whereas if you are a cis woman your center of gravity tends to be a little lower you tend to have more muscle mass um in your legs so that's where a lot of fighting gets based out of like if you get yourself low to the ground your center of gravity is lower than everyone else's and you have this incredible advantage and because these fights were developed for cis women characters, you see that things are very grounded. Things are very much, there's a lot of kicks. There's a lot of holds. There's a lot of um, outbalancing people or throwing other people and they're fighting. um, Presumably we don't ever actually technically find out, but they're fighting a bunch of men Mm. and like using that, that height and balance to their advantage. Um, there's also a lot of things that like, if a lot of male gaze superhero movies don't think about the role that like hair and clothing plays in a fight, Mm. 
So they'll put Harley Quinn in something that gives her a wedgie the entire time or have her hair down the entire time. Like they do this, they do this with Wonder Woman. They do this with um, Black Widow and the MCU. Like ScarJo will have hair down to her waist and still be fighting with it down. And there's this beautiful mm-hmm. moment that was so quintessential for me. I'm happy Black... you're getting to this because this is exactly what I, I wanted to yeah. I wanted to make sure we I talked figured, about. I figured um, <laughs> Black Canary has this beautiful moment where she's she's just destroying all these guys around her, but you see her kind of fighting with her hair, like she she has to turn a little too fast one time and she has to brush it out, and she's just getting a little frustrated with it. And Harley Quinn goes, you need a hair tie? And Black Canary's like, yeah. And Harley Quinn pulls out a hair tie. And Black Canary continues destroying everyone around her as she puts her hair up. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. things that we just don't see even remotely considered mm-hmm. in male gaze movies are suddenly being put into play there. You know, there's no super scrawny high heels things are like chunky heels or platform type shoes Mm -hmm. or if they're going to be in practical shoes they're going to be roller skates yeah (laughs) which then become practical yes oh they get used and that's what's so brilliant Mm -hmm. about so many of the fights in here well and it's it's little things like this and this is why having people who if you're going to represent them on screen, on stage, in media, having them in the room is important because it's like little things like this, like there's a, and again, like this, we're just speaking from a sense of this was a mostly cis female um, writing, producing team. And because of that though, there are these moments like with the hair tie, which is a thing like I, as a woman with long hair, constantly I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I forgot my hair tie. Do you have one? Yeah, great, thanks. Just see. <laughs> And it's yep. just like, it's such an innocuous thing, but at the same time to throw it into the middle of a fight is massively like, oh, that is so, uh, like, it's just so relatable. Yeah. You just don't see it. I think I, mm-hmm. like, yelled in the movie theater. I was just like, ah, when I saw that happen. <laughs> because you never, 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 never see it. Mm-hmm. You never see people dealing with this this issue during a fight <laughs> like it always mm-hmm. somehow magically gets out of their eyes or mm-hmm. it's a joke where the the female character needs help because her hair gets mm-hmm. in her eyes mm. you know they're either shamed for the impracticality of the long hair mm. or they're so magical it's not even an issue yes <laughs> So we're going to have to start wrapping up just because of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are, there are two questions. One I didn't prep you for, but one that I absolutely uh, want to know. Because there there are a bunch, like, and you mentioned Wonder Woman, uh, which is also in the DC house. Uh, but also things like Captain Marvel. And I'm curious because, and I loved Captain Marvel. But after watching this one, I almost feel like it feels not male gazy at all, but like, it does feel more like the the usual like superhero movie that was meant for a cis male audience. Mm-hmm. Like how how do you react to that? Because it's been a while since I've seen it, so I need to rewatch it before I commit to that stance. It's just yeah. I don't know. It, it still feels like even though it did a lot of amazing things, like a movie like Captain Marvel is still sort of for a cis male gaze. What Captain Marvel felt like for me, because there were definite mm. moments where I was like, oh, this is a step. The like the I have nothing to prove to you moment was mm. such a step, just literally never seen that before. Mm. But it's like the meme where Captain Marvel walked so birds of prey could run. Mm. You know, mm. like Captain Marvel felt like a, a dipping their toes into the pool of will this work? Will the audiences that we're presuming are predominantly cis men still watch and still want to come see this? Whereas Bird of Birds of Prey felt like it was a cannonball into the pool. 
Yeah. No, I like that. And I completely agree. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So before we end everything and we're, we're going to start wrapping up now, uh, I just want to know, have you consumed any media as a result of watching this movie? Like anything further about Harley Quinn, anything further about any of the other characters? Um, I, I, mean, I know for me, go ahead. And then I'll tell you more about me. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, I have been too busy currently, but we Fair. are very excited to start the animated Harley Quinn series. Yes, you need to watch the Harley Quinn show. I just I, finished it before we started recording. Oh my yes, God, it's so good. We just watched like a couple of clips like laying in bed the mm -hmm. other night and we were like, oh, oh no, this needs to happen. Um, but I just closed the show last night. We'll see if we can take this hmm. quarantine and use it to that advantage. Yeah. Uh, I, I highly recommend the Harley Quinn show on the DC, uh, uh, whatever you call it, the DC streaming hoopity-doo. Platform. Um, yeah, platform, yeah. Um, I, I, oh my god. Like, I, I've been, like, laughing. I've been crying. It is mm. exactly what you need from an adult piece of animation. Um, it it has the like stupid silly humor of a lot of like other things but also the adult nature that honestly this kind of needs as much as because one of the the issues i know a couple of people have brought up and why they f they feel that birds of prey has not been uh, an abject success is because it had an r rating and it's like okay yeah but honestly if you're gonna do harley right she can't just be making stupid jokes also also <laughs> Also. I hate when female characters get infantilized. Like female characters have to yeah. be cleaned up for consumption mm -hmm. in media. You know, so to take a character that is that is gnarly, like no one would ever dream of making a Joker movie that wasn't like dark and scary and whatnot. So why are we even considering mm -hmm. taking Harley? No one has. Yeah. 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 And so why? Mm -hmm. why like even the, the Tim Burton, it's weird and it's campy, but at the same time, it's like, no, it's still like the Tim Burton movie is still very dark. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. so, so then why would we even consider making Harley Quinn not that way? She lives in like yeah. the same universe, but with more abuse. Why does mm -hmm. she not get to show darkness? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I look forward to hearing your opinions on uh, the Harley Quinn show, because honestly, Clayface, King Shark, and Poison Ivy are just at my everything right now. Um, oh, God, King Shark. Oh, and Clayface. <laughs> I need to hear your opinion of Clayface, because I'm oh so my God. Excited. Okay. I'm All so right. excited. So, so this, we're, we're talking about Birds of Prey, though. Um, I, I will freely admit, after this, I, for a little while, was like, I think I want to watch Suicide Squad now. But I think I'm going to be yeah. disappointed. You <laughs> mm -hmm. are. I mean, Margot Robbie's. Margot Robbie and Will Smith and mm -hmm. Viola Davis is in it, too? Am I wrong? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, she plays uh, Waller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're lovely. Hmm. And they were just done such a disservice because of how much screen time Leto got. Yeah. And Which is various also, other things, but oh, fuck Leto. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another thing is that they, oh. in this movie, they give absolutely no screen time to him. Yep. We don't need they, to focus on the abusive mm -hmm. man. We're looking at mm -hmm. her. This is her story. When, when they do present him, it's in cartoon, and he doesn't look like the weird juggalo gangster. He looks like a classic Joker look, and he, he's not he even looks called like the, Joker. the Mark Hamill Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can get behind that. Fuck it. Yeah. Oh, Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill Joker and Margot Robbie. Yeah, I'll watch that oh, any yes. day of the week. So is it transphobic? The immediate thought is they did not bring in Jared Leto. So um, they're, they're definitely gaining points in my book. Yep. They're uh, working their way there. It's yeah. significant progress. So let's let's actually answer that question now that I've posed it. Is it transphobic? This can be a scale of one to ten. It can be a noise. It can be however you want to represent your answer to that, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think there is definite room for improvement. Hmm. 
you know, we can, we can cut out the jokes about the genitalia. We can include, um, non-binary and trans folk, but this is a huge step for Hollywood. Like I, it's, I think it's going to open doors where people will be able to go, yes, this seems to be out there, but look at, look at birds of prey. Look what they were able to do and still make money. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to agree. Uh, for Mm -hmm. me, I think the, the major thing is it doesn't necessarily do anything to specifically counteract transphobia or NB-phobia, but at the same time, uh, it does a really good job of being an amazing movie that people should look at and honestly look at as a way to say, like, there are way more ways to make a movie that involves gender issues and gender and sexuality. performance and sexuality. And so... It is a great step, but mm. it's not necessarily actively doing anything to stop. But at the same time, eh, existing and showing visibly queer folks is still something I want to celebrate. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is my noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then finally, was it enjoyable? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I want to mm-hmm. watch it about. We got done with the movie. They had their little um, sort of cut scene at the mm-hmm. end. And I was like, Warren, can we stay for the next showing? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I am ready to watch this again because there is so much there to Mm -hmm. to play with and unpack. And it's it's just beautiful. Yeah, uh, same. Oh, my God. No, sorry. There's like a there's an emergency vehicle in the back. Anyway, um, cool. You heard the like (laughs) 20 of them that has passed by. Oh, yeah. (laughs) so uh yeah for me absolutely i this is one that like you know finances are a little funky as always but Mm. um you know like with for everyone and so investing in a piece of media can be tough uh i this is a purchase for me this is a like not just not just see again but this is a when it comes out on whatever service i'm gonna like spend i'm gonna find the money and purchase it yeah fuck yeah this movie um cool so is there anything else that we haven't talked about with birds of prey that we need to make sure we are stating i think we hit the big points that really struck Mm -hmm. with me yeah uh yeah no i'm glad that we were able to do this i think that the 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 major thing is people will probably be tuning into this or people will look at a lot of things and say like well i mean it's not like why are you even asking this question and Mm -hmm. the answer is because like we have to ask this not just of the things that are very clear, but the things that are not. We have to be able to ask whether things are transphobic, not because uh, there's clearly a trans person in it, or there's clearly a joke where it's where that exists, but because mm-hmm. we have to start doing deep dives into all media. Like, is is a media that does not contain clear, like, invisible trans folk in it? Is can that still be transphobic? Is that transphobic? And I or think how? Mm. Um, or how is media that doesn't have trans folk in the room handling the topic of gender as mm-hmm. well? Absolutely. So I think that's why uh, we're going to start asking a lot of questions about just pieces of media that I'm interested in tackling. Um, we're also going to start focusing more on pieces that uh, aren't necessarily pieces of media, but are just larger concepts. Mm. The police don't like that. Uh, No, no. Thank you. Thank you, the police. Uh, Uh, Sure. Uh, Obviously um, sarcastic. I'm just going to assume they're all from Brooklyn Nine-Nine so that I can't (laughs) say anything negative. Um, Because I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We'll 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 have to tackle that. Pretend we'll, we'll talk that. about next. Yeah, we'll just Perfect. pretend they're all Brooklyn Nine Nine while we're, we're recording a piece cool, of cool, 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 so, cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So that said, um, we were initially pushing for a show called Scowl Ladder Mageddon, uh, which is going to happen. It's, it's just going to happen. 
um we're we're gonna make it happen uh right now it's just been postponed by the tank uh while we're in times of uh not quarantine but you know in in times of self trying to keep away from a lot of people um (laughs) that's that's the best way i can describe it um and obviously with a show like scowl where it's all fighting it's hard to do that over a webcam Like that, yes. I feel like that just devolves into like, oh, I've got an invisible barrier. It's like, oh yeah, well, I've got a barrier. <laughs> I've got a barrier breaking punch. Anyway, um, so it's going to be coming back. We haven't figured out the exact way yet. If you want to support Scowl, uh, you can find me on Venmo. I'll have my Venmo information in there, and you can just say, just put in the message that it's for Scowl. We will put that away uh, because we ran through most of the money we were able to raise on rehearsal spaces, which is great and wonderful, and we were able to do it. But unfortunately, we're still going to need some catch-up rehearsals when we do announce <laughs> when it's going back up. Surprisingly, I know. Think, we will need you'd to. You think we have it? <laughs> touch on it again before we put it in front of people but we're also looking into the idea of whether rehearsal spaces have uh gift certificates and things like that so if you know of a rehearsal space in new york city that gives that has gift certificates and you want to buy us a gift certificate to it that's a great way to help us yeah it's it's a thing that we're exploring and again i don't know how real that possibility is but it's a thing that honestly is is an immensely helpful thing um but yeah other than that you can find how how can people find you if they want if you want them to find you, Rachel? You can find me on Instagram at rachel.weekly. Um I'm on Twitter. I'm on, on I'm on <laughs> I'm on the Twitter as at the poet kelp. Um because I also made my Twitter handle in a fit of whimsy. <laughs> But yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. Uh, for me, you can find me on on the Twitter, as Rachel calls it, <laughs> at Lucretia Deer for L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, and then the number four. Uh, you can also find me at AshleyLaurenRogers.com. That'll have a lot of my information. Uh, right now, you can purchase Chasing the Ghost as a manuscript. It's just limited time, limited edition. Uh, I don't know how long it'll be out there for, but we're putting it up there seeing if i can make a little bit of money out of the play uh that said you can also find is it transphobic at is it transphobic or bit.ly slash is it transphobic uh as well as uh going on twitter at is it transphobic uh and we have a patreon thank you so much to all of my patreon subscribers thank you so much to those who uh have still been giving even though i know i have not updated in a month uh (laughs) it's literally just so that we can keep things moving keep things going and uh we're really always thankful for it thank you so much uh and thank you all for listening yay is it transphobic was produced edited and coordinated by ashley lauren rogers the Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. Let's see if this works. <laughs> all right, looks like we're recording now. Freaking guy, I hate everything. Okay. <laughs>